Jesus. He was born and he became this like prophet for eventually what would become Christianity. And then at the age of 32, he died on the cross and it's like three days later he was resurrected. I don't have an opinion on Jesus. I believe that religion was just created to control the masses, really. Jesus is the, our Lord and Savior that died on the cross for us for our sins. Jesus is a uh, person that existed that continues to enrich the lives of people every day. Jesus is God's son, and he was sent to save our sins. I think he is a pretty cool guy. He had a, a peaceful philosophy. I think he's misinterpreted by a lot of people. He's the savior of this world. I don't know, because I don't really believe in him, so I don't really think anything of him. Uh, I mean, he could have been a real person. I mean, I'm sure he was. I mean, I'm sure he was just, you know, good at what he did or something. I feel that Jesus is a modern-day scapegoat. Jesus is God, I think. Yeah, I just learned that. Uh, Jesus was a man, from what I figure. Who is Jesus? He was a dude. Lived back in the day. Pretty awesome. He had a beard. He was just kind of a guy with a really unique, positive message as that kind of gave a lot of people a lot of hope. He probably existed, but I don't believe that he was the son of God or anything. He died on the cross for us and uh, saved us and rose again from the dead. I wanted to sound smart, but... <laughs> So who do you believe Jesus is? You know, that was a question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. First, he said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? The disciples answered, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus turned the question to them to make it more personal. He said, who do you? Say that I am. And that's when Peter stepped forward and made that great confession of faith. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a shining moment for Peter. Peter didn't always shine, but he certainly shined in that moment. And Jesus commended him for his confession of faith. He said, blessed are you, Simon. Barjona, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And what an honor for Peter that from that moment forward, he would always be remembered as the disciple who stepped forward to confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. In the footsteps of Peter, so many of us have stepped forward and we have made that same confession of faith. Last Sunday in the second service, a little girl, Maya Stewart, stepped into the baptistry. And prior to Paul Martin baptizing her, he asked her to make that confession of faith. She did. She said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is no greater confession than that. I think of some of the other confessions that we might make. A few weeks ago, I did the funeral service for Ken Lunt. Ken was a relatively new member to our church, and he and Cindy and I had formed a, a pretty close bond between us. If you knew Ken, you knew his love for the Marine Corps. And I remember one time he and I were conversing with one another. He asked me a question, and, and uh, I, I realized after the fact that he was setting me up. He said to me, Kevin, 
just real serious like, uh, is it true that God created the world and everything in it in six days? And I said, yes, Ken, that's what the Bible says. And then it says on the seventh day he rested. And then Ken said, well, do you know what God made on the eighth day? And I'm trying to go through my mind and go through the scripture of what? Does it say anything about the eighth day? No, I I said, Ken, I don't know. He said he made the Marine Corps on the eighth day. (laughs) Well, he was not ashamed to make a confession of his loyalty and love for the Marine Corps. But in reality, that kind of confession isn't going to get us very far for eternity. There's just one confession that will do us good for eternity, and that is the good confession, the great confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. A number of us here are sports fans. And if we are a loyal sports fan, we are not afraid to confess our allegiance to a particular team. I saw a couple come in this morning confessing their allegiance to the Chiefs. I mean, they're all decked out in Chiefs apparel. I'm, I'm thinking back to a few uh, weekends ago. I went up to the, the Kansas City Royals game, and they were playing the Washington Nationals, and, and I had a red shirt on uh, for the Nationals and for Adam LaRoche. It was a lot of fun. There were a lot of red shirts up there that weekend. I had a red shirt on for the Nationals and a blue hat on for the Royals. <laughs> I look like a confused baseball fan. I will confess to you, I like baseball. You cut me, I bleed. Cardinal red. (laughs) But I will assure you, our confession and loyalty to a certain team, whatever sport, whatever team, whatever level it is, it's not going to be enough to get us where we want to go for eternity. Only one confession will matter for all of eternity, and that is the great confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want to dissect that confession this morning for a few moments, piece by piece, and see exactly what it is we are saying. First of all, I believe. This must be something that I do personally. I need to believe in Jesus. I cannot hang on grandma's shirt tail and expect for her faith to get me into heaven. You know, my mom and dad's faith, as strong as it is, it's not going to be enough to get me inside of heaven's doors. I don't know how many times through the years I've been talking with someone about faith, and they are so quick to say, well, well, my mom and dad, they went to church every weekend and Sunday morning, Sunday night. They even went to church on Wednesday night. Or my grandpa, he was a preacher. And the way they say these things, you can just tell that they are thinking that because of their loved one's faith, that's going to be enough to get them inside of heaven's doors. It's going to be their ticket into heaven. It doesn't work that way. We need to have our own faith in Jesus. This is something that I choose for myself, and and you need to choose for yourself. It must be a personal faith. I remember emphasizing this to each of my kids as they grew older and, and uh, into high school and especially into their college years. I was saying to them over and again, this must become your faith. 
And, and I'm thinking back to each of my kids. That happened at a different moment in their lives. For Abby and Jonathan, I think that really happened after they were into their college years. That they chose for this faith to become their faith. Rebecca, my youngest, it happened a little bit sooner for her. I think that transfer of faith became hers in maybe her junior year of high school. You see, each of them made a confession of faith and was baptized in their early years, even in their elementary years. And I know they were sincere in that. But it was so easy for them, as it is for any young child, to just kind of hang on the shirt tail of mom and dad and for mom and dad's faith to carry them along in their life. But the day has to come when that child, as he or she becomes older, that they decide that this is going to be my faith. This is going to be the life that I choose to live. It has to happen. All of us have to make that choice. I believe What's it mean to believe? It means to think to be true. In this case, I'm thinking that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that to be true. I'm persuaded about that. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm fully confident. I know that He is the Christ. And that knowledge is based on evidence, not just happenstance. And that certainly was the case for Peter. Think with me of of Peter and all that he had seen and experienced up to this point. He has seen the miracles. He hasn't just heard about them. He has been there. He has witnessed them firsthand. He was there when the water was turned into wine. He he saw the water being poured into those pots. and, And then he tasted the wine himself. He was a firsthand witness. He had a front row seat to that miracle. He was there when his own mother-in-law was sick with a fever and Jesus came into the house and took her by the hand and raised her up and healed her. And then the mother-in-law began to serve them. He was there when Jesus healed the leper in Mark chapter 1. Peter was there in that house when those four fellows tore a hole in the ceiling and they let their friend down on a stretcher, down before Jesus. He was paralyzed. He, He couldn't walk. And yet, after Jesus spoke the word to him for him to raise up out of that stretcher and to take his bed and go home, Peter watched as the man did that. He was there when Jesus raised a little girl, Jairus' daughter, from the dead. And don't forget the widow's son from Nain, who was already being carried out towards the cemetery in his own casket. Jesus stopped the funeral procession. He touched the casket, and the dead man raised to life. Peter saw that with his own eyes. And here just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about when Jesus spit in his hand, and he touched the tongue of that mute, deaf man. And all of a sudden, he began to speak clearly, and he began to hear for the first time. Peter saw that. Peter's confession was based on what he had seen and what he had heard. He saw Jesus cast out the legion of demons from the wild man at Gadara. And he saw the pigs run over the cliff into the sea. It's the first instance of deviled ham that we know of. (laughs) 
You know, Peter knew that no mere man could do these things. He was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so he said so. Based on the miracles. And he also witnessed the purity of Jesus. Not only did he see the miracles firsthand, he saw the purity of Jesus firsthand. Never once did he see Jesus do anything wrong. Never once did he hear Jesus say anything that was out of line. He witnessed the perfect life of Jesus. Never once did he see Jesus fail to love somebody completely. I was thinking about this. You get 13 guys together day after day for three years you're surely going to see some failures in each of those guys. There's just going to be some time in that time frame a joke that is told that it's just a little bit off-colored and people are going to laugh. There's going to be someone in the group at some point step forward and point their finger at somebody and make fun of them and everybody's going to snicker. I mean, that's just... Common for when you get a bunch of guys together, isn't it? There's going to be some gossip. There's going to be some complaining. There's going to be some arguing. But none of that ever from Jesus. He was without sin. Always in control. Always honest. Always selfless. Always above reproach. Peter was a witness to the purity of Jesus. And so when Jesus turns and he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? It was just automatic for Peter to step forward out of what he has seen and what he has heard over these last three years. He is saying to to Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm convinced of that. I'm persuaded about that. Therefore, I am willing to entrust myself to you. That's what Peter was saying. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. What does that mean? It simply means he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of our sins. He is the Savior He is not one of many saviors. He is the savior. He is the only savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Just this last week, I was talking with someone who had recently moved to Kansas City. And uh, he had attended a very well-known church in the city, a denominational church. He said the preacher was preaching from John chapter 14. He was moving right through the text. The fellow was following along in his scripture to the sermon. And he noticed the preacher skipped right over verse 6. He went from verse 5 to verse 7. Kind of confused him. Preacher didn't mention it. Didn't say a word about it. Didn't read it. My friend got to questioning someone else about this later, and that person said, oh, that preacher, he doesn't like to say anything 
controversial. Huh. Doesn't like to say anything controversial. I guess he doesn't want to speak the truth. He must not be too concerned about people's souls because according to verse 6 of John chapter 14, it says Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Why in the world would you skip that verse? He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the fulfillment of all the prophets. He is one who came here to save us from our sins. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let me ask you, is he your savior? Have you confessed him as the Christ of God? If you haven't, then you should if you want to go to heaven. Because this is the only way you can get to heaven, is to confess him as the Christ, the Son of the living God. This last week, Earl Williams handed me a letter that had come to him. Earl and Marvlin, if you know them, they are strong supporters of a ministry out of Joplin that is called American Rehabilitation Ministry. Uh, For short, people refer to it as ARM, A-R-M. And this particular ministry reaches out and ministers to prison inmates all over the world. They supply Bible studies for these prison inmates. You and I, as a donor to that ministry, we can give to that ministry. And in turn, what we give helps that ministry send a Bible study to some inmate in a prison somewhere in the country or somewhere in the world. And ARM receives letters back from these inmates. And this was a letter from one of those inmates that Earl gave to me. I read it. I won't read to you the letter, but it's from a used-to-be murderer. You see, he's, he's in there because he murdered somebody. But he's now a Christian because of these Bible studies that he's been able to go through. And, and in studying the Scripture, he has found Christ. Jesus, his Savior, he has found forgiveness of his sins. And though in in this letter he's saying, though I know I'll never get outside of these prison walls again, I know that I'm going to heaven, that I'm a child of the king. You see, Jesus can forgive anybody. He can forgive a murderer. He can forgive the adulterer. He can forgive the homosexual and the thief. He can forgive you and he can forgive me if we trust in him as our one and only Savior. You think about this confession. It's no wonder we call it the great confession. It has so much meat to it. We are confessing that there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. It's a confession that we cannot take lightly. It's a confession that we can't just repeat after the preacher and not really know the words that we are saying or have any stake in this claim. No, we are persuaded of this truth. We believe it wholeheartedly. We are convinced of it that Jesus is the Christ. And what's next? He is the Son of 
of the living God. He's God's one and only Son, according to John 3.16. He is the Son of the living God. Not the dead God, but the living God. I've been reading through Jeremiah's book here recently, and there are so many references in that book to the living God versus the dead gods of this world. This fall campaign that we're embarking upon just in a few weeks, I really want you to get involved in it and to give your whole self to it, listening and involving yourself. There's a book that actually today you can begin to pick it up in the lobby. It's for $8. We're going to sell it to you for $8. It's called God's at War. And, and there's a lot of gods, false gods in this world. And if we are not careful, we can find ourselves giving those gods precedence in our life over and above the one true God. And according to Scripture, there is only one God who is alive, and that one God who is alive has a son named Jesus whom he gave to us to die for our sins. Why did he do that? Because he loved us so much even before we were born. Think about that. Before we were created... He loved us before we were found to be in our mother's womb. He knew us and he loved us. My son Jonathan is preaching this morning down at his church in Pittsburgh. In fact, that's why I'm preaching early in the service because when I'm finished here, I'm going to slip out and I'm going to drive to Pittsburgh and I'm going to hear him preach and then I'm going to come back to preach the second service. But this last week, he... He sent me a copy of his sermon email just for me to look at. And I was reading through it, and there, there was something there that I just thought, wow, that's, that's quite a thought. I want to quote it to you. I told him I was quoting his sermon today, and he's saying, what are you saying? <laughs> this is what he's saying. As I was writing my sermon, this idea formed in my mind of Jesus praying for every person on the planet that would ever live by name. Now, I have no way of knowing if this actually happened, but just think of that. One day, Jesus is working on a new table and chairs. He was a carpenter, and he stops amidst hammering. Something comes over him, and he thinks of me and says, Father, please watch over Jonathan Moyers. There will be times in his life where hope seems gone. Please be there to lift his spirits and comfort him. And Jonathan says, this thought came to mind and I was in tears typing it out. Jesus loved me long before he knew me. His love is overwhelming. You know, that's an interesting thought. That Jesus loved us and knew us before we were even born. And the same thing is true of his heavenly father. This whole plan of redemption was crafted in God's mind before the world began. He is the living God. And Jesus is his son. And they together agreed on how mankind could be saved before mankind even existed. 
Would you say the great confession with me, please? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if you really believe that, to the very depths of your heart. You know what that means? That means you're going to live that out in your life. It's not just going to be words on a page or on a screen, but it's going to be words on your heart. It's going to be how you live your life, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the Lord. We sang about that before the sermon. He is Lord of all. He's my Lord. If you've never made that confession of faith and that surrender to Jesus, listen to these words. Jesus spoke them. He said, Everyone therefore who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. While you have the time, make the confession of faith and then live it out. Let's pray. God, help us to truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's in his name we pray.